Hi, this is Austin Parsons, Pitmaster with Smoky Mountain Q in Nashville, Tennessee, and you are listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Happy to have you aboard here for the really big barbecue show. Boing. We cook because we have to, and we grill because we want to. Hit me. Fine, how's it going? You have a great show, I'm a big fan. Boing. So what 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 seems to be the problem here? This man looks like he's dead and he's in the in the crackle. Charbono. It's all about the Charbono, dude. Succulent fish. What? He ate two feet before we knew. Listen, Laverne, shit face. I'm shaking like a dog shit pea seeds. <laughs> we have top men working on it right now. Top men. And just like that, we are into the second hour. Welcome aboard. It's the Barbecue Central Show. Your Tuesday night's live fire fun and frivolity show. This portion brought to you by Fireboard. You can monitor up to six different temperatures simultaneously. Connect to Wi-Fi for cloud-based monitoring or connect via Bluetooth. Alexa and the Google Assistant is fully integrated as well, so use those if you have them. Fireboard.com is the place to go for more information. You can call them at 816-945-2232. Fireboard 2, Fireboard 2 Drive, and Fireboard 2 Pro. Still to come on this show tonight, Marissa Overson, your 2021 State Cook-Off champ. We'll get the recap with her. And then closing out the show, co-founder of the State Cook-Off Association, Brett Galloway, who's been on the show a number of times. And we'll get his take on the big recap as well from the SEA side of things. More corporate looking. So looking forward to catching up with Brett at the tail of the show. Don't forget, you can follow me socially at BBQ Central Show on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, Snapchat, slash BBQ Central Show on Facebook, where there is a video feed. You can also find a video feed at Twitch which is uh, slash BBQ Central Show as well, and then slash RD Rempe on YouTube. All three video simulcasting platforms are working this evening. Last week, I don't know why it didn't work, but it didn't work. But we are back and better this uh, back and better than other this evening. That's tough to say, evidently. Coming up uh, this coming Friday on the best moments of the Barbecue Central Show in ten minutes or less. You will find episode 168 appear on the feed. This one coming to you back from March 22nd of 2016. Now, you may or may not have heard me talking about a pet project of mine, what we call a grassroots movement over the last handful of years, which is trying to bring about the re-legalization of horse meat. I want to eat it. I want you to eat it. I want it to be a viable and legal option here in this country. Many other countries around the world eating and enjoying horse meat. Now, you might be asking yourself, Greg, when was the last time you had horse meat? Never. I've never had it. But as I look at the industry and the amount of beef that we're eating and all these other things, 
And then I look at the fact that there is a lot of wild horses out there that are being pests. We could also raise horses to be eaten. I'm not talking about trotting off a thoroughbred from the racetrack, carting it up and sending it to the processing plant because the first bite of steak that you would eat would be you would die, right? I mean, that would be it for you. The things are full of all kinds of steroids and windstrawl, and which is a steroid. All this stuff. You can't eat it. But I'm talking about, you know, whatever a horse version of Wagyu beef would be. You could have it with a horse. So we continue on with our push of horse meat, whatever year it is. We had successful years in 2016 and 2017, 2018. Of course, we ran into a buzzsaw last year of COVID also taking down horse meat 2020. However, 2021 will bring about a new version of horse meat. We'll have t-shirts ready and available, so be on the lookout as we take that butt. As I was getting off track back in 2016, we talked about the horse meat movement. And if you want to hear how that sounds, make sure that you are subscribed to the feed because that's the only way you can get it. Or if you visit the website daily, I guess you could get it that way too. And if you want to hear some other rant or take or guest from shows past, go ahead and shoot John Solberg, who's the executive producer of the best moments of the barbecue central show in 10 minutes or less an email and he will do his best to meet your expectation i got some more listener feedback emails uh eric emails greg not sure if you took in the most recent sam the cooking guy video but the part-time camera boy named chance decided to take his own unsolicited shot at you about not liking onions and it was too funny Oh, was it, Eric? Uh, trust me. I saw it. And I'm like, man, oh, man. Heaven forbid one guy in Cleveland not like onions. Especially laying in an onion gravy bath. Chickens like to do that. I don't. And I don't want to eat it. But to Chance's credit, Really good timing. Saw that bus coming. And then right as it was getting ready to pass us, he kicked me out in front of it. And under I went. So I forget what the name of the... I think it's actually called French Onion Soup Chicken or Chicken Onion French Soup. If you're looking for the episode, it was last week. So you can go back and listen to that. And as they're nestling in the chicken after the onion soup part was made in the cast iron pan, there was some reference about who wouldn't like to be nestled in a nice onion bath and Chance screamed, uh, Greg Rempe wouldn't. And everybody was like, oh, I think I put it on my Instagram too. My story, my Instagram story. I do a lot of posting on the Instagram story, not so much on the feed. The story's kind of timely. It only sits there for 24 hours. So if it's not that good, magically it will go away anyway. So there you go. Tim from Wisconsin writes in, Greg, I was listening to the podcast over the weekend and found the top of the second hour to be especially entertaining. The list of cities you mentioned that you could retire in if you did not have a million dollars 
Were you really listening to any of the names of the cities that you were saying? Talk about a top 10 list of cities nobody wants to live in. Shreveport, Louisiana. Montgomery, Alabama. Cleveland, Ohio. Toledo, Ohio. A.K. Rowdy Rowdy, Akron, Ohio. And that wasn't all of them. No wonder money lasts that long there. They're all armpits of the country. All right, Tim. Come on. I'm not going to argue that uh, Toledo and Akron are armpits of the state, but armpits of the country? I don't know. Shreveport? I've never been there. It's safe to say, aside from Toledo, I've been there. Akron, I've been there a, a thousand times, maybe more than that. Cleveland, I live there. I'm trying to quickly remember any of the other cities. I mean, we all know that I've never been to any of them. I think there were two Alabama cities. Uh, Birmingham might have been the other one. I've definitely never been to Shreveport. I have no desire to go to Shreveport. Uh, I think one of them was Brownsville, Texas. That might have been number one. But Cleveland has a sexiness to it. It was middle of the pack. I think it was number six. If you had $850,000 in your retirement nest egg, it was going to last you almost 24 years. By the way, aside from the atrocious weather conditions that you have to suffer through seven months out of the year, I don't know if there's any better place that you actually might want to be. Between New York and Chicago, it's easily the most attractive food destination across the nation. You have a professional basketball team and a professional football team and a professional baseball team. You have some minor league sports. Akron has minor league sports. Toledo has minor league sports. But Cleveland has uh, four professional sports franchises at a minimum. By the way, if you're retiring here, that means you're old. And if you're old, that means you're going to need health care. And I will put up Cleveland's health care system's not only against any other ones in the country, nay, I say the world. You People come here to continue to live. Continue to live. Guy the cooking, Sam. Greg, the petition behind you makes you look like a Teletubby. Teletubby, what are you talking about? I'm Tinky Winky. He was my favorite, Tinky Winky. The purple one, kind of pudgy probably a barbecuer and a different life but yes tim from wisconsin i did realize that aside from cleveland those cities probably weren't very attractive to go to but cleveland stands on an island all on its own it is attractive we have celebrities we have food we have some barbecue food but we have great food in general and we have a great healthcare system, and you can stretch a dollar. If you're 75, you can make it to 100. After 100, you're out of money. Get a job. You can get a job here, too. You can go work at one of the Amazon places. Marissa Overson will be my guest when we come out of the break. I'll talk to you quickly about Green Mountain Grills. You have a choice line option. You have a prime line option as well. What's the difference? I'll tell you. Prime is a little bit more money. 
a little bit more of a robust build on the chassis. You have a table in the front. You have fold-down table on the side. You have look-in windows on the cooking chamber and pellet hopper, two internal meat probes, Wi-Fi capability, of course, app controllability, yes. Prime Plus even gives you headlights in the cooking chamber. So if you're cooking at dark, I have no idea why you would do that. But if you're cooking at dark, you can turn on the lights inside the cooking chamber and see what the hell you're doing. There's a Jim Bowie, which is the big one. There's a Daniel Boone, which is middle size. Both of those will accommodate the pizza oven insert. So make sure you snag one of those as well while you're getting your Green Mountain Grill. Now, if you want to save a couple bucks, you don't need the Wi-Fi and the app connectivity and all that stuff. The choice line is the one you want to take a look at. Same sizes. Jim Bowie big, Daniel Boone middle. Also accommodates the pizza oven insert. Nothing changes about that. Just your level of tech and if you want to save a couple bucks. They also have the Davy Crockett, which will travel with you as we start to re-up for some tailgating here a little bit later in the summer. And as we broach into fall, that'll be here before you know it. Davy Crockett's the one you want to do. Plugs right into your 12-volt outlet in the car. Easy stuff. And you're not sacrificing a lot of capacity for convenience and portability either. They have a great number of other accessories that you can look at at the website, greenmountaingrills.com, rubs and sauces. They sell pellets too. It's a full one-stop shop, greenmountaingrills.com. That's greenmountaingrills.com. Send them a note. Say, hey, Greg from the Barbecue Central Show sent me your way, and I'll thank you for that. We're back with the 2021 World Champion Steak Cookoff Association, Marissa Overston. Stick around. We'll be right back. Howard Stern, Jim Rome, Dan Patrick, and Greg Rampey. The Mountain Rushmore of talk show entertainment. Now, let's get back to the Barbecue Central Show. And this portion being brought to you by Pit Barrel Cooker, the most unbelievable outdoor cooking device on the planet, currently available in two sizes with a host of accessories to choose from. Whether you're a beginner or professional, definitely a cooker you want to add to the arsenal, visit pitbarrelcooker.com. And tell them the Barbecue Central Show sent you. Was just corresponding with the owner, Noah Glanville, today. And we are trying to line up a next guest segment with him, whenever that might be. He's working through some things. So as soon as that can happen, that will happen. Uh, My first guest here this evening in the second hour is what we call world champion, ladies and gentlemen. Earning herself that title this past weekend in Fort Worth, Texas. And she joins me to recap the big weekend and let us know a little bit about her steak journey as well. So we race to the hotline and welcome in first-timer to the show. Marissa Overson joins me. Hey, Mar- hey, Marissa. Hi, Greg. How are you? I am fabulous. appreciate you joining me this evening. Very excited to talk to you. So uh, I guess before we get into recapping the weekend and having me ask you a whole bunch of secret steak cooking questions that you may or may not want to answer. Uh, can you give us a little background about yourself, where you're from originally, where you live now, and what you do currently? 
Um, so I am from Kansas City, Missouri. I grew up there. So I was there until I went to college. So I'm at Iowa State right now, and I'm a full-time student. So I'm studying psychology and children, adult, and family services. So I'm going to be a suicide prevention counselor. So I'm in Ames right now and just travel back and forth to home and to state competitions. And that's what I'm doing right now. Shout out to all the cyclones in the house (laughs) as well, of course. Uh, do you know who one of the most popular Cyclones is ever? No. You ever heard of a guy by the name of Darren Worth from Iowa Smokey D's? Oh, yeah. Yes, he is a Cyclone, no doubt about it. Uh, all right, so let's go ahead and start at the beginning. Just from a high level, are you from a family that is really into cooking? or And it doesn't have to necessarily be live fire, but just a family of cooks and likes to cooks kind of folks? Oh, definitely. My parents both love to cook. My dad and one of his best friends. Um, I grew up basically at barbecue competitions, so I was always with them. And then my brother got into it with my dad, and he made his own team. So um, my mom loves to cook, so we'll just go in the kitchen and cook basically every day. So we've definitely been cookers for a long time. So you've been going around to state competitions for as long, or I'm sorry, uh, barbecue competitions for as long as you can remember. When did you first get introduced or see a competition steak contest? Um, I went to a cook-off in Kansas to watch my brother. So that was probably a year and a half ago. And then he let me cook one of his practice steaks at World world's last year on a chimney cartel they did like a chimney cartel cook-off with um the europe and austria world champ and so i got to cook his practice steak on that and that's really when i got hooked so how long did it take you to dial it in to where you felt like you know as you were progressing into these state contests that you really had something that you were pretty confident with every time you decided to enter So my first competition, I actually, my first competition was the first comp back from COVID, the COVID shutdown. And um, it was in Rockford, Iowa. And I actually walked my first time in fifth place. And I was like, oh, this is like really fun. It was just so like easy to just like walk in there with like all these like guys and women and probably four or five comps in. I finally figured out something that I really liked, and I just went with that for the rest of the season. I never really changed it up. So so you just started literally last year. Oh, yeah. I've only been doing this for seven months. <laughs> wow. That's uh, quite a meteoric rise. So, um, oh, it was wild. <laughs> let's go ahead and go recap ahead. the weekend. Um, first things first. So, Marissa, can I do something completely unprofessional? Can I hang up and call you right back? Yeah, for sure. All right, hang on. I'm hearing myself. If I'm hearing myself, then I have to worry that she might not be having a great phone connection experience. And I can't have that. My mania builds at that point. I mean, we all know I'm a maniac. All right. Hello. Marissa, hello. Sorry about that. Yes. No, you're good. All right. So uh, let's go ahead and recap the weekend. And uh, first things first, where does the road lead to the world championships? Where do you get your ticket from? Um, You, throughout the season, there's competitions and first place winner will get a golden ticket and that's like your bid into the world's 
like the world championships. Um, so I actually got a pass down ticket, um, probably three or four months in. And so I got a pass down ticket. And then two weeks after that, I actually won a competition. So I got to pass down my ticket from there and I got to pass down four tickets altogether this season. Really? I did. Yes. You are some kind of maestro with the high heat. No doubt about it. Um, (laughs) How much practice are you doing in anticipation of this weekend? Um, I, so I went to, two competitions in Texas the two weekends before Worlds. And then, um, you know, I was basically cooking every single weekend this year. So I was doing a lot of practice with that. Like, and I was also really good because I got the judge's perspective also. And then at home, I probably cooked probably two or three times. But um, it's kind of hard to practice when I'm up at school and all of my grilling stuff is at home. So I didn't get to practice as much as I would have liked, but I got a little bit in there. What year are you in school? I'm a junior. Are you off campus or are you on campus? I'm actually on campus. I don't have any in-person classes, but I'm still in AIM. So so there's probably nowhere for you to store your setup anyway if you wanted to even bring it up then, right? There is not. Wow. If you don't mind, could you set the scene for us a little bit? Because this isn't just a one-day competition where you cook and leave. It takes place over a couple days. Yeah, it was over a weekend. So I, my mom and I went to Amarillo last weekend, no, to Weatherford to cook in a competition. And um, we actually just stayed down for the whole week because it was the easiest thing to do. And um, so we were in Texas for the whole week. And then on Friday morning, we got to load in and grab your spot and everything. So I grabbed my spot and Friday was basically just like a rest day. And we had the banquet for like, worlds and everything and then saturday we had semifinals, and you had to place there were six different groups so you had to place top 10 in those in your group so i placed third in my group and so that led me to finals on sunday and i obviously got first place so that was the morning and in the afternoon there was actually an open invitational i mean open cook for everyone that was there called the Cowtown Classic. So that was two different groups and it was everyone that was at Worlds and got to compete again. So it was about 300 people for that um, open. Did you cook that one too? I did. I got 35th place in my group. Would you have preferred to have made the finals and then maybe had an hour or two off and then cook the finals right away? Same day, you get it all done in one fell swoop. Or do you appreciate the night off coming back the next day in order to execute a final stake? I love the next day. Um, I We got our scores back on Saturday right afterwards. And so if I, I, I saw what I needed to make a little bit of tweaks to, my doneness was under, I believe, because I got a 49 out of 50 on it. So I could go back the next day and really take my – scores and try to figure out what I need to improve on. So I really liked the break. And it was also so much stress for one day that I didn't want like double the stress on Saturday. But you finished third out of your group? I did on wow. Saturday. I did yes. finish third out of my group. Okay. Now let's really go into the minutiae here, Marissa. So as you go up to the vaunted table of meat, 
Yeah. What are you What are you looking for specifically? And I know it's it's hard because you have to get a ticket, and they do like the the snake pick. So you start with one, and go all the way down, and then the last person would pick first for their second steak and, and run back yeah. in the opposite direction. So you might get a good look at some steak the first time around, but maybe not so good the second time around. So what are you eyeballing no matter what the case is? Um, I love cooking chai hearts. At the beginning of the season, oh. I was a spinalis person. Like I only cook spinalis. And um, one day I picked up a try and one of my friends was like, hey, you got a really nice looking try. And I was like, I was like, yeah. And I cooked it and it was just, the appearance was beautiful and it was just easy to to cook, I guess. I mean, same way as cooking in spinalis, but when I got to put it in that box, like it was just beautiful. So I ended up starting to go to try hearts. And um, so both days I saw all these beautiful try hearts. And I mean, I got my favorite one. I always look for really good marbling and um, the littlest fat that as possible so that doesn't pop up on me, you know, during the cook, but, um, I always see those really pretty tries and I know that I'm not going to be able to get the as pretty of a one second round. So, um, I always like to try to get two try hearts so I can do my practice and see what I'm working with. But, um, yeah, definitely just looking for those tries. And I really like being towards the beginning of the group because I'd rather get one really, really pretty steak and then just try to find a good stakes the second round. But, yeah. So let's talk about the preparation before cooking. You get that steak back to camp. Are you somebody that is a huge believer in big trimming regardless, or do you let the steak dictate that to you? Um, I really like trimming. Um, this season, actually, a lot of people could really get a good appearance score with leaving the tail on a steak if it wasn't too fatty. So I know two or three people this year that left the whole steak and cooked it because there was enough meat on it that it would still give off a really pretty appearance. But um, I never had the guts to do that this season, but um, I would definitely do it in the future if I have a pretty enough steak. So, um, but yeah, I always trim and I try to get off as much as possible I don't do like a hockey puck style. I keep like a little like oval, like make it look more natural, but yeah. Are you a pinner or a tire slash roper mix of both? Neither. What do you like to do? Um, I am both. I always take um, rope and I'll rope it up. I'll do it twice and I'll do um, pinning on like the fat pockets where it needs to probably be pushed down some so it won't pop up on me but i try to do as little pinning as possible but i still want enough where it won't fall apart how quickly will you season after the trim um i i marinate um and then that depends on the steak but that could be anywhere from like 10 to 20 minutes and i'll season immediately after that and i'll try to get a little bit warmer so that it's um a faster cook as far as the marinade is concerned, are you using something that would be commercially available, like a head country, for instance, or do you use something that's homemade? Um, I use, my brother actually has his own marinade. It's oh. called Wicked Pig, new this season. So I started off the gate with um, Wicked Pig, and I use that the whole season, and it's a great, great, great product. What do you use rub-wise? Um, I use... Um, if you've ever heard of Forcing Out White Lightning and Papa Joe Growing Surprise, I use um, some of their rubs. 
So let's transition into the cooking portion of this program. What grill are you using and why do you use it? Um, I am using an M16 by Travis. Um, They are made in Mesquite, Texas. So um, I started off the season with a PK, but I was invited to Team M Girls about probably about three months ago. And I just absolutely love the steak. I mean, the grill, it's just beautiful. The lines are perfect. The color of the steak is amazing. Um, Travis and his team are so, so nice and they would do anything for me. So just being with them, is amazing. And that grill is absolutely awesome. What kind of fuel are you using in that? Um, I'm using B&B charcoal. All right. That seems to be a popular choice among steak competition cooks. Have you tried other fuel before and just found the B&B works best? Um, I was basically, I was given bags of B&B from my brother and some of his friends. And so, um, I started off with that, but it's just the way it burns. It's just so clean and you don't have to use too much. And I'll keep my grill hot the whole day. So I use that from the beginning and I'm still going with it. What kind of a flip time are you using? Um, I, I'm doing a, I use a thermal cook timer and I, Really depends on the steak, but it's I'm going fast. I usually only do 55 seconds to maybe a minute 10, four turns. So, so if you do that, I imagine you're racking it or putting it up on a shelf to continue to cook to your desired internal temperature. Yes, I'll do a riser, and I also use um, a Thermoworks dot, and I'll put that in there, and I'll make sure I have a timer set for where I want to take off at my temperature, and then I'll put it in either foil or like a box or something and I'll try to get it up to the temperature that I want. Once it's off the heat, do you have a particular amount of rest time that you're looking to get on that steak? Um, if I get it to a certain temperature and there's still blood coming out of it, when I, I stick it with my probe, I'll let it sit for five, five-ish minutes um, just so I can it can start soaking up all those juices and it'll give me a um, it'll look better in the middle so so now you've done everything to get this steak ready to turn in give it that last look any seasonings blah 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 close the top run it to the window do you feel like you have a world championship steak in your mitts at that point um, sometimes I feel like I, at the beginning of the season, I felt like I would turn in like a really, really great steak and, um, then I wouldn't get a call and I'd be like, you know, maybe it wasn't the best steak. I've never felt like I've given like the best steak of my life yet. And so, um, sometimes when I was like at the beginning, when I would say like, oh, that was a really pretty steak and I wouldn't get a walk, I would just like want to get like better and better at it. And I don't want to be like... I didn't want to like, I wanted to have like really high expectations on my stakes. So sometimes, sometimes like I'll still be like, oh my gosh, that was like a really great steak. So yeah. So let me ask you a bit of an odd question here as they're getting through announcing all of the names and they get to second place, call the number, you see it's not you. What is your mindset there? Do you think that you have finished well out of it? Or do you think that the next number that they're going to be calling is indeed your number? I mean, I was sitting against the best of the best on Sunday, and when I did not hear my ticket number at second, I was like, "I this really could not be me. Like, I mean, I was cooking against 61 of the best cooks in the world at that point, and I really did not think I was getting first place. So I was like, you know, this is my first year. 
I can try again next year. I'll be fine. And so I had ticket number 1480 and my dad was sitting next to me and my mom always videos my reactions because everyone says I have the best reactions to hearing my number called. And I was holding my dad's arm and he said every time a number would get called, I would squeeze his arm harder and harder and harder. And at the last number, I squeezed his arm and I looked at him and I just stood up and I was just absolutely wild. What's the experience like for you? You're walking up to the stage, you're going past all of the top cooks in the SCA at this point and hasn't been around that long. So really through the history of this whole life of SCA, what is it like for you to experience winning a world championship in that kind of a setting? Yeah, so I had... So White Lightning, who is one of my sponsors, they were there. Um, And Eric is actually a world champion. And so, I mean, he stood up and he was one of the first ones over there. I hugged my parents, um, hugged Eric. I hugged so many of my friends that I was just coming up to me. And my brother actually got 14th in the world. So he was already up on stage. And I, he, everyone said he made a beeline for me and he came running over. I've never seen him cry. And he was bawling and I was bawling too. My parents were bawling and he was just like, let's go get your ring. And I mean, he took me up there and I was in front of all those people and I was just like in awe. Like I was just staring at the crowd and, um, Brett opened up the knives and my ring was actually sitting there. And, um, I saw that ring and I was like, I, I just (laughs) won the world championship. The story of Marissa Overson is, incredible. You're only in, as you said, seven months. You have won events before. You've passed down four tickets, as you said, and it culminates this past weekend in a world championship. I don't know what's left for you to do in the sport. Are you retiring now? So I actually made a joke to my mom and I was like, mom, you know, if I win world championships, I'm retiring. And she said, (laughs) no, you aren't. And I was like, no, I'm absolutely not. Like, I want to keep on going. I want to make the most out of this year. I really want to um, I want to be a role model for the young kids and the women this year and really try to get all those women out here this year and to make sure those young kids know that they can do it. And I just want to make the most of this year and I'll keep on going. Like this is something that I love and I'll do this for as long as I can. What are you doing with the 10 grand? Um, I, I mean, it paid, I basically paid off all of my, um, state competitions from last year. I was only up like one or two comps. So, um, pays off the rest of last season. Um, it'll go towards, um, this season. And there's actually a cook-off that I went to this season called Jesse Dylan James Foundation, which is down in Searcy, Arkansas. And, um, I, I just had a connection with the family in that cook-off and it's about, um, their son committed suicide four years ago. And, that's something I'm super passionate about. So I'd really love to work with them and figure out some way to help them or get, get something else for them. So I definitely just using it towards stake and to, for the Jesse Dillon James foundation. Marissa Overson is your SCA world champion. She took it down this past weekend and only great things ahead. I'm sure Marissa really appreciate the time this evening and we look forward to talking to you again soon. Thank you so much for having me on. You got it. You got it. She is. She is. Marissa Overson, your steak cook-off world champ. Uh, let me talk to you quickly about Big Papa Smokers before we get over to Brett Galloway. And, of course, now I'm 
S-ing myself thinking that Brett is going to feedback because I'm doing a phoner with him as well. Dan, I feel like I sat through two interviews. I know. I know. Uh, Big Papa's, the one-stop online shop for all things barbecue, a curated selection of only the best outdoor cooking and grilling supplies get you on the path to better barbecue results in no time. Looking to improve the flavor of your competition barbecue? Try the rubs. Sweet Money, Cattle Prod, Cash Cow, just name a few. Also, they have Granny's Barbecue Sauce. So if you're looking to try a new flavor or get out of what's currently on the market, give Granny's a try. Also, selling smokers, we knew that. Are you looking for a versatile smoker that's easy to use? Check out the Mac 2-Star General Pellet Cooker. Big Papa Smokers, the exclusive Mac dealer, even offering special packages. Not a fan of pellet smokers? Fine. Take a look at the Old Hickory Ace BP. It's the only charcoal smoker that Big Papa trusts on his competition trailer. Not sure of what kind of grill you need? Can't go wrong with anything they're offering on the website. Give them a call if you have any questions. 877-828-0727. That's 877-828-0727. Or shop their website at BigPapaSmokers.com. That's B-I-G-P-O-P-P-A Smokers.com. And we are back with Brett Galloway right after this. Stick around. Celebrating over 10 years of prolific and unparalleled live fire barbecue and grilling talk. And yes, it's still being done from Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. And this portion being brought to you by Smithfield. Head on over to smithfield.com for tips, tricks, and recipes during the grilling season with pros like Chris Lilly and Darren Worth and Ernest Cervantes. 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 You can also go over to smokewithsmithfield.com and check out what they are doing there. If you are part of the Committed Cooks program, make sure that you enter in all your first place wins and so forth. And once again, that is smithfield.com. Coming out of the bullpen tonight is the co-founder of the Steak Cook-Off Association. Last segment, it was World Champ. And this segment, we get the corporate recap from this past weekend. We race to the hotline and welcome back friend of the show, Brett Galloway. Hey, Brett. I'm great. How about you, buddy? I'm good. I uh, struggled with a little bit of uh, echo with Marissa last segment, which was unfortunate on my end. So we might have to lay something down again to have clean audio to make sure that you know she sounds uh, the best without me sounding like a complete dope. <laughs> She's but, a hey, great story, isn't she? But uh, I'm, I have to tell you that my mind is completely blown because, you know, college age, I, I guess I didn't figure that she had a ton of experience behind her. However... I figured she might have been a couple years in, you know, maybe she started early because uh, she had said her family has been around competition barbecue for years and she was kind of brought around to it. So figured, yeah, you know, maybe she had had her hand in it for a couple of years, but she just started like middle of last year. and Now she's the world champion. I mean, it's unbelievable. Have you ever seen an ascent to the top like that? No, that was a, it was a quite a rise. Her brother was our points champion, Matt Overson. Um, some, you know, she's been around while Matt has been there in the past, but to pick it up into the level, these guys are so good nowadays that yeah. it, she really, it's amazing. 
Uh, Brett Galloway is joining me, co-founder of the Steak Cook-Off Association, of course, and the website is steakcookoffs.com if you want to check it out here while we're visiting. So as you take a look back at this past weekend, uh, from a SCA corporate standpoint, how did the weekend come off and how worried were you to have an event this size kind of under the dynamics that we have been under for the last uh, 12 months, really? Uh, you know, we were real worried about it, and uh, everyone kept asking, are you going to have the event, going to have the event? And the city of Fort Worth was behind the event and has been hosting events at those facilities. So I felt good about that. And then I guess it was four days before the event, our governor went ahead and opened the state and the mask mandate. Now, they still wore masks during stake selection stuff, but really it was up to them. And, and I did see plenty of people wearing a mask around there, and at times I had one on, but it's kind of hard when you're on stage calling numbers to wear a mask. No doubt about it. Uh, it, it was a challenge to try to make sure we could keep everybody safe, and I think we uh, pulled everything off that we tried to accomplish, and we just had such, everybody, we've divided and conquered this year, and, you know, like Danny took the parking lot, and Michelle Dang ran the judging, and there's five of us that did the planning of it. And then we had people like, you know, Angel Todd and Keith Todd came down to help all the way from Pennsylvania. And almost every one of our reps came into town just to help make sure the event went well. Uh, Brett, did you foresee having the seventh world championship uh, when you guys started out seven years ago? Did you think you would get this far and have it be the juggernaut that it is at this point? No, we didn't. I mean, we didn't see that coming. There's been a lot of things along the way that have happened to help that has helped us grow a bit. And, you know, honestly, the pandemic didn't, didn't do us any favors. We lost 181 events that were either canceled or rescheduled from last season. Um, and that's the whole reason we extended the season, um, just to have enough qualifiers to have the event, you know, an event that size. Plus, it was a lot safer in March than it ever would have been in October. So um, I think extending it helped us, but people were really looking for an escape, a way to go out and cook. And since at our events, we don't, we're generally, there's not a lot of public there. Um, it was okay to have them. We did them in, you know, we were in fields or in parking lots, different places. But, you know, we put in some procedures that really kind of helped us to get the ball rolling again and, while some people weren't having events, um, we, we were able to pick up some new people that were interested in cooking. So I think that actually kind of helped us a little bit. But to see 300 teams there in a pandemic was mind-blowing. Let's revert back to the champ real quick. Um, uh-huh. I would hazard a guess that because there are so many names that people know that are taking part in that final day that it was probably an easy wager to make that you probably wouldn't think that Marissa would win given the other names that are out there. So what do you think that her win means for the sanctioning body? Um, you know, there were so many, so many great storylines in the champ in the finals. We had a 13 year old, um, is it, one or two, I believe we had two 13 year old boys that qualified in the final 61. Also, um, Marissa, you know, she was a quick riser this year and she can cook obviously. 
So, you know, our points champion was in the finals. It, it could have been, honestly, any of those people could have won it. And, you know, the boys were sitting around the other night going, well, who's going to win this? And I said, I'm out. I don't want to, I'm not wagering on this. <laughs> they all play their fantasy stick cook-off games. And I said, I don't know. This is going to be great. I was just excited to see who it might be. You have a points champion who's a woman. You have a world champion who's a woman. Uh, is it safe to say that the novelty of a woman winning is finally <laughs> gone and we can go to, let's say, SCA yeah. being a genderless field where it doesn't matter. You just have to be able to cook your ass off in order to win, and that's it. That's pretty true. You know, we used to have an award that we called it the Female Cooker of the Year Award, which we gave away this year, but I think it's time to retire that. Yeah. Because I think it's almost insulting. These women just showed the boys how it's done. Yeah, I mean, you got a big name after big name uh, that's a lady. You got, uh, obviously, Marissa Now. You have uh, Sandy. You have SJR, you know, just to name a few. And uh, it just seems like that continues to inspire confidence in other ladies saying, hey, you know what, this is something that they're successful at. They obviously have a passion for it. And if I do, too. It's proven that I can go out and, and, and be just as competitive as anybody else out there. And it's not that I want to go beat, you know, this guy or that guy. You know, now they're coming in saying, you know, the guess what? The the women got a target on their back, too, because they're the best cooks out there right now. Absolutely. And Sandy Brown all season was, she was dominating the whole season. And people, mm -hmm. Sandy would show up and people noticed, you know, Marissa's going to show up to events and, they're going to know she's there for sure going forward. What does 2021 look like for SCA right now? Um, right now we're on path. Um, it started a little slow, but it's picked up. I think I, I haven't been in the office since Thursday, but when I left, we were at 429 events for this year. And I bet I have 10 emails or emails or messages about new events since I've been gone. So I think, if things hold true, we'll, we'll end up about 500 events this year. What's the most you've Internet. done so far? Um, 359. Wow. We were going to hit 500 this last year, and then uh, obviously with COVID, it is pretty good. And um, I think this season, as long as everything stays you know, well with the pandemic situation, I think we it'll keep growing this year. Brett, the refrain I keep hearing year over year about SEA is the ease of the whole event. It's a fair entry fee, really nice prize purse if you are best stake of the day, no real barriers to entry otherwise. And perhaps a better way to put it is there's no perceived barriers to entry where I think, for instance, competition barbecue has uh, somehow garnered those perceived hurdles. You have to have a motor home and you have to have this kind of pit and you have to use these kind of meats. Is it a focus for you guys to keep the core items that made SEA so popular years ago consistent year in and year out, and you're able to achieve this growth? You know, I don't think we're much different than when we started. You know, as far as rules-wise have changed just slightly. Um, you still see the majority of people are out there, and I believe Marissa did as well, cooked underneath a easy-up tent. Sorry, I think that's correct. So... It, you don't have to have the big motorhome, the big trailer. It's a one-day event. You know, sometimes a trailer's nice if you're in Texas and 106 degrees, but or or in Wisconsin and it's negative five. Yeah. But really, an easy up and a grill. 
you know, 87% of the country on some sort of grill. So was, anybody can come out and try this. I was speaking with somebody who took part in this past weekend's events that actually uh, quite well. And he mentioned to me that he was shocked at how popular the ancillary categories have become. Uh, even made it a point to say that during the course of the year when he was competing at events that some folks were just showing up to do the ancillary events. They weren't even actually cooking steak. They are. Um, we, we actually made a focus this year. We decided that we are going to have an ancillary world championship also. Hmm. Um, what the ancillary does, when we started, it was, hey, let if the spouse is with them, they can help cook the ancillaries or maybe another team member wants to cook them to try to get everybody involved. And originally, you know, it was the wives that were cooking them. Well, then now the wives are cooking steak and ancillaries. The guys are cooking ancillaries. And by giving the golden ticket, I think we added, we've almost doubled the number of people participating in, in the ancillary categories. And I can't wait to have a day that's just ancillaries at the world championship. It's going to be a blast. If we play that thought out, does that mean during the course of the competition year that you will have a set schedule of ancillaries? Uh, or I guess the, the thought is that way you don't have like 50 different things. You would have maybe a, a set schedule of uh, five ancillaries or 10 ancillaries, and then you're taking the best of those and bringing them down to, uh, to Fort Worth to cook in a world championship type setting. Well, I think we're going to stick to some of the basic ones at the World Championship, but during the season, it's just an opportunity for a sponsor to get involved with the event. If Wampler Sausage wants to provide the sausage for the event, then that's what the teams will cook, and it's just another opportunity to to help expand on that that aspect of it. But we will keep it basic at the championship. It'll be, well, I don't want to say what it is yet, but it'll probably have some chicken wings and other things that people are used to cooking. Brett, I was talking with, uh, I'm sorry, go ahead. I said, we definitely won't be cooking Asian carp like they're going <laughs> to do in Tennessee coming pretty soon here. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, let's uh, stay away from the Asian carp, no doubt. I was talking with uh, Cosmo last hour, and he was the second world champion at the mm -hmm. state cook-off, and he was really blown away with how popular this has become here over the last handful of years, even since he took part in it, and he's still obviously taking part in it. Where do you see it in, in two or three years from now? Do you allow yourself the opportunity to do some grandiose uh, wheel steering and vision thinking? Um, we, we try to look ahead about a year, but I don't know. I mean, we have weekends now where we can't handle more events. Just one weekend with 21 events. I mean, we got 21 reps out there running them, and at some point we're going to have to get to the point where we're turning some back just to make sure you want every event to be a success and put too many in a small area uh oh that goes back um if we put too many in one area then no one's going to succeed so we've got to be careful about it. yep no doubt you got to be careful and uh, it's uh but you just you can't deny the popularity that stay cooking uh competitions are seeing right now and uh, you know, I think where, as you said, maybe you had benefited a little bit from some of the other food sports having to cancel or postpone and that competitive juice is running through some folks say, hey, you know, what can we do this coming weekend? And they see an SCA event taking place. So they go ahead and try it out and realize that maybe it's a lot more fun and, and they're a lot better cooking steak than they had originally thought. So they kind of set the hook or you set the hook and 
uh, now you got some regular attendees as well. So we'll see how it plays out here over the next uh, 12 months at least and go from there. It's the co-founder of the SCA, Brett Galloway. Brett, really appreciate you jumping in tonight, kind of short notice, and uh, helping me out and closing the show here. Continued success. We'll talk to you again soon. Thanks for having me on, bud. Appreciate it. You got it. There he is. Brett Galloway, your co-founder of SCA. And they are on fire, man. So if you are looking to get into food sport and you don't want to spend a ton of money and you want a nice one-day event with a decent payout, if you win it, even if you don't win it, I mean, I think they pay out to 10. So, And for typically 250 bucks or 200 bucks for an entry fee, depending on where you're at, I'm sure that wavers a little bit or um, uh, varies a little bit from city to city and town to town, but pretty cool stuff. Uh, let me talk to you quickly about Vortic Watch Company before we turn it loose here this evening. Vortic Watch is a small batch custom watch manufacturing and vintage restoration company located in northern Colorado. They take antique American pocket watches and turn them into wristwatches. Their mission, preserve and enhance the legacy of manufacturing excellence in America. In order to do that, they combine traditional and cutting-edge technologies to create unique quality, functional timepieces, with exceptional value. Here's the coolest part. Each watch that Vortic makes is one of a kind and unique. Vortic found it on the motto that America wasn't assembled, it was built. And you can check out their Vortic uh, watches at VorticWatch.com. That's VorticWatches.com. And just released today, uh, it used to be Watch of the Week. They are now going to Watch of the Day. So assuming it follows suit at 2 p.m. No, not 2 p.m. 2 p.m. Eastern. So uh, noon mountain time, they released the new watch. I got the email today. Eight minutes later, when I got to the website, the watch was already sold. And it was nice. It was a ball watch. Ball uh, ball watch was originally manufactured right here in Cleveland. So um, the watch that uh, we are collaborating on together is going to be a, a ball dial and movement. So... Holds a special place in my heart, no doubt about it. But you got to be quick if you want one of these things. So, uh, But they are going to watch a day. So they have obviously hit their supply thresholds, and they are off and running now on manufacturing. And let's see how in the hell I can get out of here in the smoothest way possible. I got to tell you, this uh, production-wise, uh, easily one of my least favorite shows in a year or two. God. You know, at the start of the show, it felt like I hadn't done a show in three weeks. Bizarre how that is sometimes. Anyway, all the way back in the first hour, we had Stephen Reichlin, and we talked to him about pastrami and corned beef. We got a great history lesson on both from Stephen, so we appreciate that. We also talked with Cosmo from Cosmo's Q. We talked about wing dust. We talked about some new products that he has coming out in 2021. And then the second hour happened and technical tragedy ensued. Marissa Overson talked about her win at the World Championship State Cookoff Association. She is the world champion. For some reason, my phone was echoing back to her and then back to me. So I apologize for that. We'll make that right down the road, probably sooner than later. And then 
Brett Galloway, after a number of attempts, got on the horn with us and we recapped from the SEA side uh, from the World Championship this past weekend in Fort Worth. Big show playing for you next week. It is the fourth Tuesday, so the embedded correspondents are in. We're a month outside of the second season of American Idol Barbecue Central Show Edition. Derek Riches will also be in. Other stuff already assembled as well, so it's going to be a great show. September 11th, 2001. I will never forget until next Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern. This is your program host and proud U.S. American, Greg Rempe. Good night now.